0: A time as this, each of us was born to know the heart of God, his deep desire. To love and to forgive He does not delight In judgment or in wrath But calls to all to turn to Him and live The words that bring a true repentance That turn away God's judgment sentence words that only we can give For such a time as this We were born to speak the truth Anointed words that knew the heart of men If we are silent now The Lord will send some of us Such a time.
1: Today's sermon is pre-recorded. The message the Lord has asked me to share with you is, do not lose heart. Let's pray. Lord, as I share this word that you've put on my heart, would you quicken it by the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit? Lord, we've been accustomed to such comfortable Christianity. Lord, we've been accustomed to the world and to its ways. I pray tonight that this word will be sharp and cutting and yet filled with mercy. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. The people of Jerusalem awakened that morning to see the dust to hear the cracking of whips, to hear the shouting of the Babylonian soldiers. They came surrounding the entire city of Jerusalem, cutting off all water, cutting off all food supplies. They came besieging the city. They planned a campaign to utterly cut this city off, until it surrendered. Imagine your tear if you had awakened in Jerusalem on that morning, wondering, will my children survive? Will my family live? What's going to happen? Will he burn the city day after day? The siege was laid. Day after day there was no relief. Finally, in desperation, trying to save the city, the king goes out to Nebuchadnezzar and surrenders. The city is opened. And now these wicked Babylonians go tramping through the temple of God collecting the beautiful gold goblets, collecting the plates that the food of God was placed on. And he takes this. But not only does he take these items, he takes prisoners. He takes the finest, the finest of the land. And among these finest is a man by the name of Daniel, a young man, a holy young man, totally dedicated to the ways of God, his heart grieving because of the sin of the king of Judah, his heart grieving as he sees the worship of the false gods. But now this has impacted his life, because no longer can he turn in the temple and pray. He is now bound, stripped naked, hair shaved off. Now the crack of the whip is felled against his back, as he now makes the long march to Babylon. With him are several friends. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There were many others. As they make this march, their true character is revealed. You see, as long as everything is going normally, as, as long as our health is intact and we have no pain, we can live as we choose. We can eat what we like we can say what we want, and we're fine. We can indulge in sin. Who knows? Who cares? But God doesn't allow that with his people. He says, no, let me sin now. Let me send some pain into this person's life. Let me send some, some strife. Let me send some family discord Let me create a difficult situation at work. Let me touch your back and put searing pain into it. You know what David said? That when he was rejecting the word of God, his back had searing pain in it. I praise God for searing back pain. It says the load I'm carrying is too heavy. And usually it's a load of sin. So now this young man feels the sting of the lash on his back and he has to begin making some decisions about what he's going to do when he gets to Babylon. Now it's very obvious that if he wants to survive, he needs to be very cunning. And the most obvious choice is to kiss up to the Babylonians to say, look, I know, I know we were wrong. I know that you're the masters. What would you like me to be like? What would you like me to speak like? How do you want me to behave? I will be a model slave. Just give me a bit of the comfort of life. Give me a modicum of respect. Daniel had to make those decisions as a young man. How was he going to deal with this Babylonian culture? You understand what Babylon symbolized? Way back at the very beginning of time, Nimrod went out. Babylon was created. The Tower of Babel was there. This was the city that stood historically in opposition to the city of peace to Salem, to Jerusalem. And always in the history of the Christian faith we have understood that there is the city of Babylon representing wickedness and there is the city of Jerusalem representing righteousness. And now they're being cast out of the city of righteousness and they're being cast into the city of wickedness. And you and I have been cast into the city of wickedness. We live in the belly of the whale in Washington, D.C. America is certainly Babylon. It is that power that has promulgated wickedness throughout the face of the earth, exporting every wicked thing from Hollywood, exporting a lifestyle of secularism. We have led the world in the exporting of secularism we live in Babylon. And so you have to make the same decisions that Daniel had to make. What decisions have you made? Have you settled down into your comfortable lifestyle in Babylon? Can the Babylonians tell a difference between you and themselves? Can they tell by how you dress, by how you act, by how you spend your money? Can they tell by what you say at your job? Are you a good Babylonian or are you a citizen of Jerusalem, the city of God? You have to answer the question. There is no neutral ground here. You are either going to be identified as a citizen of Babylon or as a citizen of Jerusalem. There is no gray area in which you can hide You are one or the other. Tonight, which are you? You could begin by looking at your checkbook. It will very quickly tell you where your allegiance lies. Does it lie with Babylon or does it lie with the city of God? How have you spent your resources? Are your resources spent on butter? On lifestyle? Or are your resources spent on guns to fight the battle of righteousness? Where do you spend your money? Is your household, is your home? Is it a place of worldly comfort and luxury or is it a center for righteousness? Is it a place of prayer and supplication? Have your tears stained the carpet of your house? Have you worn places in the carpet where you have laid before God? Or is your carpet worn from the footsteps of worldliness? Are you a citizen of Babylon tonight? Or are you a citizen of Jerusalem? Are you an alien and a stranger in this land? Are you looking for another city built by the hand of God? Or have you settled into being a great Babylonian? Have you lusted after the things of Babylon? Or do you crave the things of heaven? Daniel's facing this. He's not even a mature man and he's still faced with these choices. Some of you made choices when you were Daniel's age that have directed your feet toward hell and you have lived most of your life for wickedness. The question is, will you finish your life in wickedness? Or will you turn aside and be redeemed by the blood and walk the remaining days of your life with integrity before Jesus Christ? Let's look together at some of the decisions that Daniel has to make. Ashpenaz is the chief of the court officials. He was instructed to bring some of these Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. These were to be young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. You see, before you can be a good Babylonian, you have to understand their culture. You have to understand what's politically correct. The Babylonians do not like ignoramuses. They demand excellence. So they're to be taught how to function in the Babylonian culture. Have you been trained in the Babylonian culture? I have been. I've been taught to go to a place to mix freely in such a way that I am offensive to no one. And most of you in this house tonight can move in almost any circle you desire and no one will be offended by your presence. Why? Because you know how to be a Babylonian. Don't ask any questions that might be embarrassing. In fact, don't even bring up the subject of religion. And of course, the Babylonians teach us that religion means Jesus Christ. Of course, Jesus Christ says, He's not about religion. He's not associated with religion. For Jesus Christ, it's very personal. It's a very simple question. Will you serve me and be my slave or will you be in rebellion against me and cause me to have to judge you and send you to hell? I mean, that's not about religion, is it? I spoke with a dear one this last week and they said to me, well, you know, My my spiritual life, my religious life is here, and my work life is here. Well, that's great Babylonian theology. When you follow Jesus Christ, you don't have a spiritual life, and over here, a work life. When you follow Jesus Christ, you're his slave wherever you go, there's no separation. So now we find Daniel being taught the language and the literature of the Babylonians. And then in verse 5, we find this very interesting statement. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. This is Daniel, the first chapter, verse 5. Let me read this for you again. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Now you understand the difficulty with that, I'm sure, without my saying, but let me just break it down for you. The table where you eat is where your allegiance is to lie. The one who supports you is also the one who rules over you. And so when you come to the table of the Babylonians and you put your feet under that table... And you put your face into their rich food, you owe them. They own you. Daniel was accustomed to eating the meat of the sacrifices of God. Daniel was accustomed to eating at the table of the Lord and now he's been ripped away from the table of the Lord, and he's being told, now you must eat the food that comes from the king's table. And he says in his heart, I will not eat the king's food. I am a servant of the Most High God. I am not a servant of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Well, you could be killed for that. Now notice what he does. He asks permission Note what happens. Verse 8, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with a royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. His request is turned down. Now let's be very clear. You can go to the king of Babylon and ask for allowance anytime you want. And and in fact, you can even make some cozy relationships and it looks like they're going to let you off. The very system of the Babylonian government will fall if it allows a citizen to not sit at the table of the king. Babylon cannot afford to allow you not to sit at its table. And they will always say, no. Babylon is not going to give you permission to be a Christian. Some of you have been asking the world, would it be all right if I didn't act that way anymore? And they say, absolutely not. Some of you have been expecting your family to say, oh yes, it's okay if you be a sold out Christian. We'll understand. Some of you have been asking non-Christian spouses or, or uncles or aunts, would it be all right if I'm a sold out Christian? They're going to answer no. If you're a sold out Christian, you're going to replace me with something else. I want to be first in your life. You're saying Jesus is going to be first in your life. We can't tolerate that in this family. The world cannot afford to give you permission to follow Jesus. Your boss cannot afford to say, yes, you may be a Christian. Request denied. Now Daniel's had his request denied. What's he going to do? He's already made a commitment that he's not going to sit at the table of the king. He will not defile himself. He asked for permission not to defile himself. Permission refused. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to go sit at the table? Because you've been told you have to go sit at the table? Look, the only way you're going to have a car is to go borrow the money and buy a car. I'm going to have a nice You can't expect Jesus to bring you a car without you going in debt for it. The world system says you will come and borrow money from me. If you want your lifestyle, use your plastic. If you want to participate and have the wonderful life that we want to share together, you're going to have to enter into our systems. And, by the way, If you want to be a part of our system, you're going to have to work a second job. You're going to have to work all kinds of overtime. You're going to have to pick up the side jobs. You're going to have to hustle. No, no, wait a minute. Please, sir, I would like to follow Jesus. And so I need time to read the scripture. I need time to pray. I need time to go to church. Permission denied. Okay. If I don't go to my job, I'm going to lose it. I'll go to my job. Pastor, I'm sorry. I had to go sell that car. Then I get that sad phone call. Everything is crashing. Well, when did you eat at the table of Babylon? Did you eat there today? Oh, yes. Well, if you're full of poison, why don't you think your world should crash? It's... uh, Listen, could I be just very straight? This is not an emotional deal. It's a cause and effect relationship. You do certain things, certain things result. The sun goes down, that means the sun's going to get up. It's cause and effect. This is not some deal that we have to work up our emotions about. We have to simply Understand in our heart that if we come to the Babylonians and we ask for permission to follow Jesus, they have to say no because it's their nature. And then you have to decide what you're going to do. Do you understand? Jesus said, Be as harmless as doves and as wise as serpents. In other words, Jesus, I am not going to defile myself at the table of demons. Now how do I get around it, Jesus? Without becoming a martyr if you don't want me to be a martyr. (laughs) If you want me to be a martyr, thank you, Jesus, I'm on my way. But is there some way you would work it so that I could get through this impasse? That's what Daniel did. Watch what he did. Daniel, the first chapter, verse 11. Daniel then said, to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel. Okay, so the boss says no. Then go to the man who's under him and see if he'll work a deal with you. Well, it's a pretty neat deal. The guard arranges the vegetables and the other food, not from the king's table, and in return He gets to take home in his take-home dishes all of Daniel's rich food from the king's table. What's not to love about that? The guard is happy. He gets the rich food for his family and Daniel gets the food that is not from the king's table. So they run the test. Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. Well, who were the other young men? They were other Jewish boys. But they were Jewish boys who were saying hey, look, we're in Babylon now. Let's be good Babylonians. Now this strikes right at the heart of an assumption that is made by the world. And that assumption is that you must sit at the world's table in order to be successful or in order to compete in the culture of America. And Daniel said, no. I do not have to sit at the world's table to compete and be successful. The world says if you don't come and sit at our table, you're going to be a failure. You're going to be homeless. You're not going to have any resources. You are going to be barren. You are going to be the scum of the earth. You're going to be cast out. You're going to be a loser. The world says that. You follow Jesus and life is over. All your joy is gone. All your happiness is gone. You can't do any of the things you love to do. You're going to be bored to tears. I mean, what are you going to do without the music that the world loves? I mean, if you can't listen to the music you like, you're going to become an illiterate idiot. You're going to be bored. If you can't go to the movies... When everybody starts talking about the movies and you have to say, no, I didn't see that movie. No, I didn't get to see that movie. That was a worldly movie. That was an unclean movie. You know, the Christian broadcasting so-called says, oh, the new Spider-Man film, that's a great movie. Those are Babylonians spray painted with a little bit of Jesus. But the world says, hey, if you don't go see that new Spider-Man movie, you're just not cool. You want to be in with the in crowd, you better see the Spider-Man movie. You better go watch somebody get beat up. You better go participate and watch the violence. You better have the adrenaline rush. you you got to be able to talk to your buddies about what's going on. Hey, you walk into the room. The Redskins just played. And they say, hey, did you see the game? No. Well, what were you doing? I was praying. You were praying instead of watching the Redskins? What are you, an idiot? How many times I've walked into a business setting and the instant casual conversation is, hey, what would you think of the game last night? Hey, I was Jesus last night. I didn't have time for the skins. And then it opens the door for me to say to them, when was the last time you talked to Jesus? I mean, from the looks of people's faces, it's like you took off all your clothes. What kind of a stranger are you? You understand, when you make the decision not to eat at the Babylonians' table and you leave their entertainment, when you don't go to their shows, are you all aware that in Jesus' day, close to his hometown in Nazareth, there was a great sports arena that the Romans built? In fact, he probably worked in building the arena as a child growing up. His daddy was probably employed as a stonemason. I mean, that was the contract that absorbed everybody. Never once do we find Jesus coming to the conclusion of a day of ministry and saying, you know what, you guys have really been faithful. Why don't we go over and see the show tonight? Can you see Jesus sitting with his 12 apostles lined up to watch the show?
0: Gladiators.
1: Gladiators. To see the gladiators, <laughs> to see the sporting. Can you see Jesus sitting there saying, hey, did you catch that one? No, Jesus wasn't there. <laughs> And the topic of Jesus preaching the next day was not an illustration out of the sporting event of the night before. You know that when the pastor uses those examples, he is not a man who is following Jesus Christ. He's a man who is in touch with the flow of the Babylonian culture. You understand Daniel had to make decisions. Because, let me tell you why. There was a lion's den in front of him. There's a lion's den in front of you. You haven't gotten to it yet, maybe, but you will soon. How do you survive a lion's den when you smell and taste like Babylon? The lion will give you one sniff and say, you're my lunch and crush your bones. You better have the aroma of God about you when that lion sniffs you. What's the aroma that's in you tonight? If that lion came sniffing at your body, would he say, you're my morsel from the table of the king? Or would he say, you have the aroma of heaven about you, I don't want you, you're unpleasant to my palate. So Daniel is now eating from the table of the Lord, even though he is in Babylon. God is blessing him with great knowledge and understanding. But he also now gives to him the gift of understanding visions and dreams. Now, wait a minute. I want you to understand this. Because Daniel refused to sit at the table of the king... God rewarded him by giving him understanding of heavenly things. God will never ask you to give up something without giving you some greater gift in return. The Lord is not about taking and stripping you down and leaving you empty and broken. That's what Babylon does. God wants to pour his gifts into you. He wants to give you divine revelation of who he is. But he won't do that if you have chosen to sit at the table of Babylon. So now he understands with his mind and his heart. He understands the words of God. God is speaking to him. How do you think It could say in the scripture that he understood dreams and visions if he never had any dreams or visions. Daniel enters the king's service and the king has a dream. And he wants his dream interpreted. But first you must tell the king what the dream was. How about if I come to you and I say, I had a dream. Tell me my dream. Very unreasonable. Impossible. Watch what happens. The astrologers in verse 10 say, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. The king is so angry and furious, he orders the execution of all of these wise men of Babylon. But Daniel, he asks, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? It's explained to him. Daniel goes into the king and asks for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. What? He went on the line knowing that God would show him what he needed to know to tell the king what the answer was. That's faith. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter in verse 17. He urged his friends to join him to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Listen to this word of praise. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with Him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what, you, what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Now when Daniel goes before the king, he takes no credit. He says in verse 27, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and visions have passed through your mind as these as you were on your bed. And he begins to tell him the whole dream of Daniel 2, which is the whole rest of the history of earth before the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's laid out in blueprint form. Now why would God do this? Well, there's a side interest that God has going. He intends to take the king of Babylon and humble him so that he will confess the name of the Lord God of heaven. See, we always think it's about us. But it's not about us. It's about what God is doing. And God is going to take this monarch who has crushed Judah... And he's going to force him to bow the knee. Now, we need to understand that it's not about us so that we'll have the courage to say, no, we won't sit at the table of the Babylonians. So that we'll have the courage to say no and to strike a deal with our guard. So that we'll turn aside from self-preservation and lift up the name of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Where is your flock tonight? According to the gospel of Jesus Christ, every one of you is a minister of the gospel. We are priests in the house of God. Is your flock sitting with you or did you come alone? If you came alone... It's a pretty good indicator that you've been compromising at the table of Babylon. Do you know the joy that would fill your heart tonight if you had the trophies of God's ministering spirit through your life sitting with you right now? Do you know the joy that would fill your heart? Now, these things are not done by human flesh and human power. You are not given a flock in human power and skill and cunning. This is a work of the Spirit of the living God. Some of you young people, where are other teenagers like you that you're winning to Jesus? Have you been more concerned about them accepting you as a good Babylonian? Or have you been more concerned about their salvation because they're going to go to hell if you don't confront them with their sin and call them to follow Jesus Christ? Some of you are going to work every day. You're working in the office. Is the Spirit of God moving in that office? Are you confronting the sin that is in that place? Some of you are. Many of you are still in your disguise as Babylonians. Isn't it time to no longer allow our hearts to be downcast, to stand up for Jesus Christ, to swear our allegiance to the kingdom of heaven, to take a stand and say, I will not be moved. I will not feast at the table of the demons. I won't sit at the table of the world. I will not look like and act like the Babylonians. I will follow Jesus Christ. I will be sold out. And if it costs me my family, if it costs me my friends, if it costs me my job, it doesn't matter what it costs me because this is for eternal life. This is for keeps. What are you going to decide tonight about Jesus? Are you going to continue being good American citizens at the pig trough? Or are you going to follow Jesus and allow him to have his way in your heart? I want to make a very specific altar call tonight. Some of you tonight are not compromising with Babylon. Some of you have declared yourself as followers of Jesus Christ, and you are not feasting at the table. You're feasting at the table of the Lord. But some of you are walking in compromise. If tonight your heart has been convicted and you know that this past week you have been compromising with Babylon and you know it's time for you to stand up and declare yourself and you're willing to do that tonight publicly. We're not going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their head and slip your hand up. No, this is public. This is straight up. Will you come and stand here and allow us to pray for you if you've been compromising with Babylon? Come quickly. Now you understand that if you come, you're making a very cut, cold, straight decision that you're no longer going to compromise with Babylon. You're making a Daniel decision You're not going to eat at the table of darkness. You're going to eat at the table of the Lord God of heaven. Do you need to come? If you do, come quickly. Now I'm making an assumption here. I'm assuming that everyone who did not come forward... Is saying, I've already made this covenant commitment and I am clean before Jesus tonight and I have not compromised. Or you are saying, I am compromising and I belong to Babylon. You have the right to make that decision. And the Lord Jesus will judge you. And He will determine what decision you've made. Is there anyone else that needs to be here? Mighty God, these precious men and women, boys and girls, have come to confess that they have been compromising with Babylon. And they've been eating at the table of Nebuchadnezzar. And that they no longer choose to do this. That, Lord, they choose tonight to say no to the food of the demon. And they choose to say from this point forward, I will sit at the table of the Lord and I will eat of the holy things of almighty God. Lord, I pray tonight for your spirit to come in power and seal this decision that has been made. Lord, have authority now. Lord, honor this step of obedience, this step of decision. And Lord, Lord, they need to know Babylon. that they're going to be faced now with tests.
0: I know how to get along in
1: Babylon. Oh, Lord God.
0: Yes, Jesus. I know how to in
1: Babylon. Mighty God. Jesus. Will you show us how to operate yes, in the realm of the spirit? Yes, how to walk in the things of yes. the almighty God.
0: Yes,
1: and Lord, we will rejoice in you and praise you and glorify your name. Thank you, Jesus.
2: Thank you, Jesus.
1: Lord, I praise you and I honor your name. And I glorify you, Jesus, son of the living God. I praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you Lord. Now this decision that you've made in coming forward. You'll be right back up here again, making the same commitment over again if you don't go home and get on your face before God and pray through to full victory in the Spirit regarding this issue. Your heart has every inclination now as you stand in this place under the anointing of the Spirit to be faithful to Jesus. But tomorrow you go to your jobs. You're going to have to pray through. You're going to have to stay on your face, confessing your sin until that thing is done in your heart. Be faithful in this. Coming forward was just the first step. Now you've got to finish it. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord God, you said to the man who was palsied, Your sins are forgiven. Lord, in your spirit, we say our sins are forgiven by your blood. That the past is over. It's gone. And we stand under your grace. That tonight is a new night. But Lord, you would also then come and say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And I speak now to each of you and I say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: When I think of where you brought me from Where I could have been Rippled, broken, ruined burdened down by sin. I just lift my voice to thank you for all you've given me. And I cry, give me a heart, Lord, to win the loss for thee. Give me a heart for others. I long and souls for thee Give me the privilege to tell What you want me to be Give me a heart To your family, to feel your warm embrace. You've told me that you cared for me, you saved me by your grace. When I see the many blessings that you have given me, then I cry, Give me a heart, Lord, to win the lost for thee. Give me
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, P.O. Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you.